Hi, this is Michelle with Moms Letting Go Without Giving Up. If you are here today, it's because you are the mom of an addicted loved one. And today I have an interview scheduled with Peggy, Peggy Johnson. And I met Peggy in our local support group for parents of addicted loved ones. And I instantly was... um, just felt so warm with Peggy and how she embraces those who are in jail, those who also need support, and um, helping other moms with this difficult problem. How are you today, Peggy? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for being here and um, sharing your story with moms, we're going to be talking about what jail is like, what prison is like. Uh, Sometimes moms fear that their children, their addicted loved ones will end up there. And I um, went into the jails last week, the week before, and it wasn't near as uh, scary as I thought it would be. So Peggy has a son, Taryn, who is um, currently in prison, but he He's an awesome, awesome kid. And I, well, kid, how old is he now? <laughs> He's 28. 28. He's okay. Yeah. So, but, um, so tell us a little bit about Taryn and his story and um, how he ended up where he's at um, in, in prison, but yet um, some of the things that he just shared with you too about finding your purpose was amazing. Yeah, he um, he was a good kid. I mean, he was in every single sport you can ever think of. Like, I never had a season off from one sport to the next. All he ever wanted to do was play college ball, and he did get a college scholarship. But the summer before he um, was able to go to college was his first arrest. So, of course, they had to let him go. And it kind of just spiraled from there. And then he would have good point. He would have good spot. Like he'd get out of prison or jail and then he'd have a couple good months. And then it was like, I don't know. He didn't feel that he had anything better to do or that's just where he thought his friends were. Those are his friends. Those are his brothers. And he always said he wanted to help them get unaddicted, but it's like they pulled him back in. Mm-hmm. I remember yeah, I in I remember you saying in group how he had been cleaned for wasn't it a year? He was clean for like two days before his first year in for one year anniversary. He called me. Um he was in Florida actually. He went to Florida, he did a rehab. Uh, it was a second round of rehab, and he, it was stuff. And he actually got to where he was a sponsor, sponsoree. Like he had his own sponsor, people, kids. And yeah. he would just call me and tell me how excited he was. And he was helping these kids out, and then I would end up talking to him. And I never even met him. They were calling me mom on the phone. And then one day, just out of the blue, he called me. Um, I could barely understand what he I could tell he was high. I could barely understand he was slurring. And then it, it was there was that point he would got he would get quiet. He was like actually passing out on the phone. 
And oh, then he started oh. throwing up, and it was horrible. <laughs> it was horrible because you don't, I mean, he was in Florida. I couldn't do anything. I had no idea where he was. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, I can't imagine. Yeah. And I've yeah. heard that happen before. I, I. So what did you do? Um. Well, I told him he needed to make a decision. Uh. Well, then at that point, so then he, I said, on the phone, I was like, you need to go to a rehab place or something. And he said that in Florida they have um, three-day, I can't remember what it was called, but you can go there for free for three days to try to get sober. And he went there, and um, he got out after three days, called me, said that his job was going to let him. He told his boss what happened. They were going to let him have the job back. He talked to his roommate. His roommate said, that's cool. You can, you know, still stay here as long as you don't have drugs because he had a girlfriend, and they were both recovering addicts. Right. That lasted for maybe not even a week, and then he called me and said that he got fired. He got kicked out um, because he started using again. Yeah. And wanted to know if he could come home, and I'm like, well, if you come home, you, you know, I said, that's fine. But you need to get sober. I said, you need to come here and, you know, stay away from the people that you think are going to not help you. So I flew him home, and that lasted for maybe a couple of weeks. And then he was gone for a whole weekend, and I I knew. I already knew. No. Yeah. Oh, if it was easy, right? If it was easy. Yeah. So one of the things... um I, the whole jail thing, like, moms freak out, oh, my goodness, my daughter's calling me from the jail, my son's calling me from the jail, they're calling me 15 (laughs) times a day, and um, this happened to me, and because of my perception of what jail was like, I just thought, oh, my gosh, I need to get him out of there. I mean, my first, the first time he was in, I, I thought, I got to get him out of there because I thought it's this place where he's going to die or he, or they're going to, you know, he's going to use drugs there too. He's going to be sick. Somebody's going to beat him up. Um, I had all these imagination images, and, and I and I thought, well, I have to get him out because, even if I get him out, he's still accountable. He still has to serve the time, right? It doesn't mean that I'm, he doesn't right. have to take consequences of his actions. It just means that I'm going to get him out of that hellhole. And that's the way I envisioned it, right? And so, right. Um, but the last time, I I didn't do that. And he would call me and he would say, "I they have me in solitary confinement, I'm staring at the brick walls, Mom. I'm going absolutely crazy. You got to get me out of here. Like he was going out of his mind. And um, finally, I just quit answering the phone because this is this is what happens, Mom. If you don't know this, so they have to call you collect. And when they call you collect, it's this operator saying, "This is so and so calling from the jail. <laughs> you have to put all this money into this account. You have to establish this." And and it's you got to pay, and the and the phone calls cost how much? How much do they cost? I don't remember. Um, depending on what jail and what prison, I mean, you think it'd all be the same, but they're not. <laughs> it's an average of, um, 
Well, I know where he's at now for a 15-minute call. It's about 4 four or $5. Okay. Yeah, and 15 minutes goes by really fast, doesn't it? It does go by really fast, yeah. And he, how how many phone calls does he get a day? Uh, well, it's, um, the very first time he went in prison, uh, he often because he they had like only a couple phones for all the guys. Well, nowadays they actually have their own iPad that they get to keep in their cell with them at all times. So wow. he can call all the time. Yeah, they have access to um, uh, like a – it's kind of like email. Email them now. I mean, they don't get it right away because obviously the, uh, there are still people that go through every every message, every letter. They read every letter you send. Um, so you can send them email. He can send you an email. That's actually cheaper. Again, it, you don't get, he doesn't get it for like three days. And he can call as often as he wants. But this not being his, I don't know, first rodeo, <laughs> he he doesn't call as often because he knows like, I mean, it's either you call and I put money on my phone or I put money on your commissary to get food and extra things. Okay, so and sometimes he'd probably rather have the extra things. Right. This is the first. He's been in prison. This will be his third time, and he's been in jail. I couldn't really tell you anything. But um, this is the first time I actually set boundaries. <laughs> before okay. it was every time he. Before every time he called and he want money, I put it on there, and he called me all the time and. I was spending four or five hundred dollars a month just to keep him going and making sure he was okay because I was fearful. I was, in my mind, it was the first time I went to prison. In my mind, it was okay if he has extra stuff, then he can give extra stuff to not get beat. <laughs> yeah. So every my, you know, I was thinking I was doing him better, but then it was every right. time it was he needed more and more, and I'm just like. I was digging myself in a hole just to keep him going. Wow. And this time, though, I gave him boundaries. I'm like, I will give you this much every two weeks if you choose to put it on your phone, if you choose for your commissary, that, you know, because they have an account where they can get, um, they can, that he can make calls to people or he can get music uh they have a 20 for 24.99 they can get unlimited music for a month um and then commissary separate for like food and extra um stuff so if if a mom was if, if you were to talk to a mom about giving extra money to her child in jail or prison um, because you were worried that they were going to get beat up. Can you speak into that? Is that something that happens often? Do they get beat um, up in jail? Probably, well, again, it depends on what jail, because each – now, jail, like county jail, I wasn't ever really concerned about county jail because 
They are. It is a smaller facility. They are more monitored. Um, and he, I just felt that he could take care of himself in county jail because mostly just everybody the same, thing, you know, drugs, alcohol, maybe some, you know, violence or whatnot. But I wasn't concerned about county, especially, and yes, the drugs in county, but it's way, way hard, harder. So I wasn't really, that wasn't really, it was when he went to prison because I did know people that were in prison and I, you know, and me watching, stressing out and watching documentaries, that did not help. I don't recommend that. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, oh. but I mean, more happens in prison. I mean, they can't, I mean, they're in a prison with, other like murderers and rapists and and when he first went to right. prison he was only 19 it was like he was just this little scrawny kid oh breaks my heart yeah um so one of the myths too is that the people in jail and prisons are you know just hardcore criminals in your experience it seems like there's just so many people in jail and prison who have a substance use disorder, and that in itself has caused the criminal activity and the reason that they are serving a sentence. Um, do you, is Karen, does he ever talk about being around hardcore criminals that have committed murders? Oh, yeah. Yeah, especially where you're really? now. Um, the first two prisons he was in, um, well, the first prison he was like in medium security prison and the second time he was in, uh, low prison. Now he's in a maximum security prison. So the higher level prison you go, the more hard criminals you're going to run into. Oh, Wow. Yeah, like the minimum yeah, wait. that was n- probably 90% uh, drug addicts. Okay. And that was um, the- that was when he was in Heritage Trail down by Indianapolis. And you, he was he went there actually for probation. By, so he only served about two years there. But that prison, you can't, you have to have three years. You have to be you able have to, to have three there. years. You have to have three years. Oh, sentence? Right. Like, right. Uh, Heritage Trail, they don't take out. Heritage Trail where he was at. They only, um, anybody that does not have over a three year sentence. And I don't believe they take, like, obviously, since it's a minimum security prison, they don't take very hard criminals. It was more like petty okay. crimes, drug addict. Yeah. Okay. Got it. And can you send him like a 12 step? Bible, can you send him anything, or is it really limited on where he's at? Um, actually, I already sent, he did. I already sent him a um, the AA book. I said because he likes the AA program better than the drug addiction program. He says it's just more in depth and he can follow it better. Oh. And you That's can send great. them books. You can send them anything as long as through Amazon. You can't send him anything directly. But if you send, okay. like I have an Amazon account to send him things through Amazon, 
they he can get books as long as it's soft cover, can't have any hardcover books. Um, he can send as many as you want to the prison. Um, newspaper, yeah. I can get him, uh, like the Warsaw newspaper, I can have him get that sent. I can set up that. But I directly so, can't send him anything. So um, I wanted to share a little bit of his personality with moms because, I mean, I hear you saying he's, he's in this hardcore prison, and I I just can't get over it. So when Peggy went with him to trial, um, I just cried when I heard his sentence because this was a man who just had so much to give. And so before this call, before we even started recording, Peggy was, you know, talking about her purpose. And um, most of you know, in in this ministry, I I am a huge um, pers- be- believer of finding your purpose and how important it is to leave a legacy and choose a life that matters, right? Right. And so the le- <laughs> Peggy was talking to Tara and her son in prison, and he was counseling her <laughs> on how important it is for her to find her purpose. So we're talking about a kid who is very um, – in tune to his mom, but it, grounded in life matters. And for him to, like, I just always am in awe because he thinks of other people first. And so often with addicts, their their brain is so distorted, they don't even know how to do that, right? And um, right. that's one of the things. I've never met Taryn, but every time you talk about him, it's like what stands out with me. And um, will you will you just share with the moms a little bit about what what he said to you because um, he's a he's a great guy and I'm sure he, a lot of moms have great kids too. Yeah, he is a I I know he's a drug addict, but he is a good. He's like my best friend. He's my best friend, and he'll tell anybody that I'm his best friend. Um, he's never lied to me about anything. If he is, like when he would be hardcore addict, addicted, he would not come around here. Or he would try to come around here when he was less high. He was like, I don't ever want to be that way around you. So there'd be times I wouldn't see him for weeks because he did not, he didn't want to disrespect me to come here. Yeah, what he would say. I've heard that with other um, kids too. Yeah. They loved yeah, their pa- their mom so much. They were ashamed. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, he would call me. Um, he, I don't know. Him growing up, I always he and my younger son were my purpose. His friends were at my house all the time. They knew they could come there. It was a safe haven. They were, you know, do you guys need fed? Do you want something to drink? But at the same time, there'd be times. When I would come home, and him and a couple friends would like have my whole house clean, and it was because they wanted to do something. He's like, "Well, we did this, we did the dishes, we slept before, so is it okay if we go play ball?" I'm like, "Yeah." So he was always just a good kid, but yeah, he knew that him and his friends and my younger son were my whole purpose, basically, to 
be alive, I guess. Like, I felt like I had nothing if I didn't have them. Well, then when he left and my younger son left to live with his dad for a couple of years, I hit rock bottom for a few months because I felt like I had no purpose. Like, what was my purpose? I have nothing left to do. Um, and this time when he was in jail, he was, you know, telling me, he's like, well, you need to find a purpose. You need to quit worrying about what you can do for me or what you can do for Brayden and find something that you feel purposeful and that you feel you can have a purpose. Because again, even when he was out, it was periodically, I would have other kids that fell hard, you know, and then they were trying to get sober and their parents wouldn't allow them to stay with them. And I would open my doors um, and let them stay with me if they needed to stay and all, all of his friends and all that. I actually have kids that were um, locked up with Terry in County that just write me letters now that they're in prison. Like they memorized my phone number and my address to call me and write me, like on me. Wow. Do you think that's because you were able to love them through their addiction or love them despite their addiction? Um, or both. Because, I mean, just because they're an addict doesn't mean they're not a good person. Just because they're addict doesn't mean they're not a good kid. Um, and I knew most of his kid, the friend, his friends from elementary school, high school, and they were all good kids. Just things happen, and I just there was never a worry. I mean, they need somewhere. They need if they want, you know, people want them to get sober, but if there's nowhere for them to go, how are they supposed to get sober? If they have nowhere to go to start, where and then yeah. you can, most of these programs, I mean, it costs money. And right. if they, you know, if they don't have money, obviously. And I don't know. I just felt that somebody's got to give them a chance or they're not going to have that chance. Yeah. Yeah, the system is just really, um, it's so broken. I mean, they're, they're, I'm, I'm researching stuff today for a support call that I'm doing and just identifying the different types of therapy, rehab, care. And it's so diverse, but it's all about money or no money, insurance or no insurance. And I look at heart patients and cancer patients, and I'm like, you know, I don't think, is it, is, is the, is the difference so wide with insurance and money when we're dealing with a heart patient? Or is the treatment and the team approach always the same, no matter what income level they are. And I think that maybe maybe I'm delusional, but I just think that all most heart treatment and cancer treatment are the same, no matter if they're poor or wealthy. But I think the difference really comes in the education and knowing what kind of treatment is for those those diseases, right? But even if a mom of an addicted loved one knows what the treatment options are, it doesn't mean she can afford them. And yet, so these kids get in jail and prison, and I've been watching these documentaries too where the jails and (laughs) prisons, well, I don't know about the jails, but the prisons where they're becoming a source of revenue for a lot of people. And so they they keep 
they keep these people then locked up in there because they're cheap labor then to work their jobs for that enterprise. So is your son, is he working any specific job while he's in prison? This is Michelle Weidenbenner with Moms Letting Go Without Giving Up. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you're the mom of an addicted loved one, I understand. It's a difficult, difficult journey. One of the most important things you can do is surround yourself with support, and that's what I try to provide for you, support and hope. You can join our private Facebook group, Moms Letting Go, and you can um, find my courses at momslettinggo.teachable.com. In the courses, you will learn more about understanding addiction, understanding what's happening to your child, the pathways that lead to addiction, and how to stop your obsessive thoughts. And if you haven't downloaded the book, Moms Letting Go, you can find that at momslettinggo.com, free ebook download. So thank you for coming, and I hope that you enjoy this show. And if so, leave us a review so other moms like you can discover us too. God bless. No, he isn't now. They don't, um, I don't know if they really do that much anymore, to be honest with you. I didn't really ask him about the working part, but I don't think it's much of an option like it used to be years ago. Mm. I know. I okay. wonder if it's because maybe there are so many people in prison. Um, I do know, like we were, I was asking him about, you know, prison privileges or whatnot, and he was saying yeah. that there is no extra privileges. I and mean, his maximum security prison, you're in your little cell with one person 24 hours a day. They said, oh, get wow. your food in there, you stay in there. He said that now that he doesn't know if it was different without COVID, but he knows that, um, there's so many people in prison that you don't, he only gets out an hour, maybe two or three times a week. Oh, <gasps> jeez! But the rest of the time, oh, him and his guy is in his their little cell, all time at all times. And but is he? What is his relationship like with the other guy in there? Well, luckily, I mean, parents can pretty much adapt to anybody. <laughs> um, wow! But guy he's with they i mean they get he said they get along every time he's called his you know friends have been in the background saying hey and i yeah so luckily so that he got somebody that he can adapt to and get along with yeah so do they have the same like faith in god do they pray Um, together i don't know uh terrence said that um, when he first got in, he did turn to drugs immediately. He, I could tell he was high when he would call. Uh, I didn't address it because there's no, re- I mean, there's no reason for me to address it. He knows I know, and that's that. But um, oh, then a couple geez. weeks ago, he he's like, yeah, I had, I needed to snap out of it. I need you to send me an AA book. I need you to send me. A Bible I need to, he goes, 
nothing here, and half of these people don't even know what that you could go do an AA program as a drug addict. He's like, so I'm, I'm going to try to get some more people getting involved in it. He goes, I have to have, I have to have a purpose too besides drugs. He's like, because when you're in prison, there's two things you can look forward to: either getting up and getting high, or doing your best to stay sober by reading or working out. And he goes, and I chose the first one. He goes, but I, I need to choose the second one. How long ago was that? Uh, that's about two weeks ago. He should have got his book oh, last week, but um, I talked to him for a few minutes on Friday, and I forgot to ask him. So how do you cope with him being there? How do, how do you take care of you? How What gets you through this? I have good days and I have bad days. There is days that I am so depressed thinking about it and overwhelmed, wondering the what ifs, you know. Um, and I do if, sleep or cry or just feel like I should give up. But sure. then there's, you know, then I got to get over it. I got to be like, okay. That's, he's not, he's my kid, but he's not my kid anymore. And he chose these choices and I got to move on. I got to find something. I got to, you know, I still got to go, I still got to pay my bills. So then I try to flip it and try to be positive and happy to everybody else. You know, maybe if I could, if I can make somebody else smile and happy, then that's the best thing for me. Yes, I I know. Yeah, it's kind of like that. I I know because I I love that. I love that too. When we can bring value to other people, um, it just makes what it just makes our purpose worthwhile. But if you could, if you could change the prison or the jails, or I I I and and sometimes I know. I have like this Pollyanna attitude where I'm all about um, helping moms recover and find their purpose because I think if I can get moms like you who are motivated to do something, um, and I don't know what that something is because every single person has different gifts and different ideas, but um, I do believe that if if I can empower others to be like this mighty mom movement where we change, help change, be the change in the system of somehow, what would that be for you? What, what would make it, like what would just light your passion to do in this genre? Um, Mine is, I just want to counsel or be there. I mean, a lot of kids, I keep saying kids, but they're adults. Um, Yeah. Like don't have positive, <laughs> yeah. They don't have a positive person that's there saying you can do this, you can get over this. Okay, you had a bad day today. That's okay. Make it. You know, wake up tomorrow and start again. Uh, if I if money was not a problem, I would totally be a counselor and would probably t- open something for people to go to for open counseling, or if they need a night or two to stay, 
because they have nowhere to go. Or I mean, I don't know about. I don't know if I would want it to be a homeless shelter, but it would be more like a recovery place. So what you're what this sounds like is a recovery coach of sorts, and you know you can go, you can go become a recovery coach, and and they're they're building these teams now where you go into hospitals like the the team is called, and they say like we have. Um, somebody who's overdosed and we have the family here and they really want support services and they call in a team and there's a team of people for somebody for the addict, somebody for the family. And again, you know, I have this like Pollyanna little (laughs) hope that we can do something like this because, you know, so typically somebody ODs and they're just, you know, they, they detox there in the hospital and they send them home. They know nothing about psych, yeah. know nothing about tr- the treatment of the person. And, and other times, like, okay, just go live on the streets now. Goodbye. And so, um, and I know some of that is because the addict doesn't want to change. But it's it's something that they don't even know because it's not an option. The treatment team option isn't available without stigma. So they they think, oh, my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. I, you know, I don't want people to view me this way. They're full of shame. And so they just pretend like, you know, they're just going to go on and I've got this because, you know, I'm a man or I'm strong. I can do it, right? But um, right. anyway, sorry, I kind of went off. But as far as you, like, what would be stopping you from becoming an addiction coach? Uh, probably just to get, probably get started. Like, I don't know where to go to get started. Um, okay. That's it. I mean, because there was times I tried, like, way back when the um, son first went to jail, I was going to, I tried to do the jail ministry. And I went to one of the meetings. But they... And at the time, I, I still had my younger son at home because my kids are 10 years apart. So yeah. they wanted me to, you know, I had to be there like so many times, hours a week, and I had to be there on Sundays, and I'm just like, I couldn't give that much time up. Right. Sure. Because, again, I still had another yeah. son. Um, right. Yeah. But, hey, now he's got his purpose, Mom, so maybe this is right. the time. That, but that's good to know. I mean, because I'm always trying to encourage Mom, look in your community and find out what they need. And sometimes they don't even know they need. Um, yeah. I'll, after after this call, I'll, I'll send you a name of somebody who works in our homeless shelter. Um, they were trying to put programs together and offer uh, addiction recovery courses to people in our community because so many people wanted, want to be that. Um, and so that's something that, you know, not only you, but moms on the call maybe can think about that too. Um, what do you think Taryn struggles with the most? Um, that's what he said. His most struggle is staying sober. He said, there's nothing. Okay. There's nothing to do. There's, you can't, you know, when he was in a minimum security prison, he at least got to go outside and play ball, which is his whole life. Just to play, you know, right. if he can play ball, he's fine. Um, he's like, but now it's like, again, it's either you have to choose that you want to wake up to stay sober. He's like, it's an everyday thing. Okay, today I need to stay sober. I need to stay busy. He, and, oh but there's so much God. you can do in a little locked cell, you know. 
And he doesn't so like do you to worry? Be honest with you. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't want. Oh, no. he doesn't like to read. Yeah. No, was I would be like going to send you a book, and he's like, eh. Goodness. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's hard. That's hard when when they won't when they won't read. I know, but sometimes I think it's because that's part of a disability too. They they're not comprehending what they're reading, so it's not fun. Yeah. Um I I'm all about getting the leadership books into our jail because I I don't know. I just they they turn my life around in a lot of ways. They made me think they make yeah. me think differently. Um uh, but how one question. do you, do you oh, go ahead? Do you ever Sorry, worry that ahead. the money you do you worry that the money you send him will be spent on drugs and how do you how do you sort that in your head? Like I I just can't uh, get over how they can get drugs in prison. Ugh. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, I used to. Like I said, I knew I wasn't oblivious to what he was doing with all the money I was sending him. But I just put it in the back of my mind that I was doing it for him to help him not get, like you said, you know, roughed up, beat up, to be on the higher end of the scale, I guess you would call it. But, um, yes, until I set, like, until this year when I set my boundary. And I think he tried pushing that because a couple, you know, there was some time he was just like, well, I need you to do, send me this so then I can do this. And I was like, well, that's fine, but that's your money then. Yeah. I realized that I was sticking to it this time, <laughs> that he had to rearrange his well, well done. <laughs> yeah. And I well still done. did. But then yeah. in the back of my mind, I'm like, should I not do that? Is that going to make it harder for him? You know, but I can't. Oh, yeah. I yeah. can't. Yeah. And that's when I have my bad days because it's like, Maybe I should have sent him extra when he wanted it, and maybe I'm not doing enough to help him, but then it's like I did. I He's told me. I mean, if it wasn't, I think if it wasn't for him being this positive, I would struggle more because he'll tell me, Mom, this isn't your fault. You've done everything you could. You tried. He's like, you never, you're always there still. You've never let me, you know, you've never left me even though I was hardcore addict. He's like, I knew no matter what, I could always call you. And I think if he wasn't such a positive kid, that it would be even harder for me. Like, he yeah. could call me and blame me. If you, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? And he doesn't. He's never, he's never done that, ever. Yeah, thank God. I know a lot of moms struggle with that. Um, but I think it's because you have a lot of respect for yourself. And when you respect yourself, other people respect you too. Um, and sometimes women don't respect themselves because of life circumstances and maybe their childhood when they weren't respected. So it's um, it, it kind of self-fulfilling well, it took me a lot. Which, it took me a lot of years to breathe because I didn't. I, I, I wasn't. I didn't. <laughs> you didn't have self-respect. Oh, yeah. no. I still sometimes, I even still sometimes self, self-doubt. And again, then that wouldn't be, if I didn't have the sister I have or the friends I have, because when they, like my sister can tell immediately if I'm overthinking something and she's <laughs> usually right there. <laughs> she's like, right there. <laughs> 
I'm laughing at the overthinking thing. It's like mom <laughs> equals overthinker. Uh, I don't know a mom who does it. Yeah. Right. With well, I, I, this, I saw this mom in our community recently, and her kids are just all that. I mean, she's just great kids, right? And um, I asked about a son, her son, and she said he lives in Chicago, and he's just doing so well. She said, but she ha- and he's 25. Okay, he's 25. And she has them on Find Friends. Now, for those of you who don't know what that is, it's an app that you can put on your phone, and you can see where your child is at any moment, at any time. And her son is not an addicted loved one. He's, um, he's got his degree. I don't know if he's got his master's degree. He works in Chicago. He has a great job. And here is this mother who has them on Find Friends and is always <laughs> worried about them. And I'm like, okay, I thought that was just moms of addicted loved ones, but it's not. So when you say, like, moms equal worry, equal overthinking, <laughs> yeah, that um, I think it just kind of goes with the role. Yeah. And um, that's what makes it tough is that we're supposed to, you know, we we birth this human being and we feel like that's our sole job. And then um, we're just supposed to let them go and we feel like we're giving them to the wolves, especially like in your case. So it's, it's not easy. It's not easy. Is there, is there anything else that you think moms would um, like to know about jails or prison that maybe is a myth that isn't true? Um, as far as what? I don't, um, I don't know. I, oh, don't, you I don't know, know what, people say what the yeah I, I know, know what I used to, well I used to think that um like you always heard about men getting raped women getting raped um just all these horrible things and I can't speak about prison it sounds like prison is just as bad um because when I think of your son being alone in the cell with that other man all the time Thankfully, they get along, but what if they didn't? And Right. Oh, I, I mean, that probably, I mean, I don't want to say that rape and beating up is a myth because that, that, that does still happen. That That is very real, and that's why I think I worry. I think that's why I worry so much, but I I can't because... I just can't keep worrying about that or I'm never going to get on to my next step. No, my waste. All I can yeah. do is pray and it's wasted energy and you can't control it. Yeah. 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 But do you think jails are like that? Cause when no, I, I don't believe jail jails are like that. I did not no. feel that. Um, I mean, there is some fighting that goes on. I mean, but it's never, I've never heard of somebody just going up to somebody to just beat them up for some no reason. Use it because they mouthed off, or you know, two people are, are mouthing off, and then you have friends of those people that decide to get together. But I've never seen anybody just—I've never heard of anybody just going up to somebody to just to beat them up because they want their candy bar or something. Now prison could be like that, but I'm county is not like that at all. That I well, that it I've, sounds. And it sounds like they don't get the opportunity to be around other people right now anyway, so. Right. Well, 
Well, thank you so much for this candid time um, for your story. And we're going to keep Taryn in our prayers and um, just be the light and hopefully motivate moms out there who are listening to find your purpose because we can't control what's going on in our children's lives, the choices they're making. But we can control what we do with our time. And gosh, it's a prize commodity. It's going fast for me. <laughs> so Yeah. So I'm, Another thing I want to add is I want to do so much. I think I, like my, this is what my sister says. She's like, you're trying to put too many things in one basket. Like I want to help the prison, but I want to help the people that aren't in prison. And then, but then I'm like, okay, well then maybe I should be a coach or, oh wait, maybe I should help the, you know, I keep wanting to help so many that I don't help any. And I need to focus on one. (laughs) I need to focus on one and actually go for it. No, but Peggy, do you know, (laughs) do you know how many people are in that same boat and they're afraid to just take one step and try one thing because they think, well, I want to do all these things, but is this the right thing that I should start with? Well, here's here's what I've learned. Oh, my golly. I was on Facebook live streaming today. I had no clue on Zoom what I was doing, but I was determined to learn. I don't know why. I, well, I kind of know why. But I, I mean, I, I want to be able to to give a presentation in a Facebook Live and share my screen. I don't know how to do it. But my point is I I just keep taking one step. And I look at this and I'm like, I want to create this movement, right? But yet <laughs> you have to start with the baby steps. So yeah, I but I it's so motivate, hard. <laughs> yeah, I got to motivate you, people like you, right? So <laughs> So here, here's my question. So if you start, um, if we find you the information to become an addiction coach, okay, let's just say you start there. Sometimes taking a step is finding something you don't want to do. So you could go through, I don't, I don't know how many hours it is, but it would help you focus on something else. But it would definitely better your education, and I am certain that it could help somebody else. When you educate yourself, you're exponentially multiplying your knowledge with other people because they are reaping the benefit of your education, your increased education in some way. So let's say you do that and you just end up not liking it, but you see something else along the way and you're motivated to do that. So sometimes just walking through one door leads to another. And we don't always know if it's the right door. You just gotta, you just gotta go. And uh, I just want to encourage you because I've, you're just a very warm person. You're easy to talk to, and I believe that your life matters, and that God has a purpose for you, and you are going to do something so that Taryn can not just so he can look at you proudly, but that all of his angst has not been for nothing. Like, you know, like this is your, this is a part of your story and your story is, we're not, it's, it's not over yet. And so at the end of the story is always like this huge climax, this aha moment where you're going to like do something fantastic. And I believe (laughs) that. So I, I am going to encourage you on that. So, 
Yes, I need the, I need the push and the encouragement to say, okay, do this. Do this and then Yeah. Yeah. Well, and sometimes yeah, sometimes somebody else can see it. But I will. I'll I'll get the information. I'll connect you with certain people. But I know you have a full time, very busy job too. So I mean you've got to pay your bills. So but um thanks again. Thanks again for taking the time to talk to us today and share some really tough stuff and I I so appreciate you and um I'm sure that the moms in the group will too. So God bless. I hope, so. I hope somebody gets something out of it. <laughs> and I'm going to um, turn the recording off, but stay stay with me, Peggy. Uh, thank you, moms, for listening. If you want to, if this has helped you in any way, please give us a review and share it with your friends. Leave us a message. Encourage Peggy with me, okay? <laughs> All right. Take care. <laughs>